0: We wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our families.
1: But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. And we wanted to establish financial security for ourselves and our children.
0: For us, that looked like founding software companies and then a successful coaching and online course business. But for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other
1: women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and
0: isolating, but it doesn't need to be. We're here to share an insider's peek into the strategies and mental resilience it takes to create and run six and seven figure online businesses.
1: As women entrepreneurs, only 2% of us will ever earn a million dollars. We've done it ourselves and we're on a mission to help you reach financial independence by chronicling our journey
0: and sharing our proven playbook join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow a business and build a life that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery and I'm Jenny Barcelos and you're listening to the Am She Spoke podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the new podcasts that drop every single Tuesday.
1: This is the And She Spoke podcast, and in today's episode, we are discussing the collapse of the 16th largest bank in America.
0: That would be Silicon Valley Bank. And what do we bank with, Jenny?
1: Uh, Spoiler alert, Silicon Valley (laughs) Bank. Not anymore. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Just have a moment of peace for the bank that failed.
0: Breathe out, breathe out. And that we survived the last four days. So if you haven't heard Silicon Valley Bank collapsed on Friday, it is the bank that we have been using for the last seven, eight years. And so, okay, Friday, the... SVB collapsed. It is the second biggest bank failure in the history of the world, apparently. So the way that it happened was last Wednesday, March 8th, Silicon Valley announces that it needs to raise funds. The CEO wrote a press release and announced that it needed to raise funds, and it tried to liquidate $21 billion worth of investment in an emergency sale. Mm -hmm. Thursday, customers got a little freaked out and they attempted to withdraw $42 billion, which is a quarter of the bank's total deposits in one day. So by the end of day, Silicon Valley was in a negative cash balance of $1 billion and the stocks tanked by 60% that day. And then Friday, March 10th, The trading is halted because when the stock markets opened again, the stocks fell another 60%. The FDIC, which is the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, shuts down the bank and took possession of the bank and all of its deposits. Done. It's over. 48 hours. The 16th largest bank is over.
1: Yeah. And it's not just the 16th largest bank. It is like the center of the world for startups.
0: Yeah, I think... Oh, there's so much to say here. I know way more than about the American banking system than I ever chose to, and I certainly know more than the Canadian banking system at this point. It's just been a wild ride. So Jenny, how did you find out about it?
1: Okay. So I found out about it simultaneously in two places. So I received an email from our credit card company alerting us to the fact that this was going on. And then also our COO slacking me on Thursday evening. And so we are not- New York
0: Times article she slacked, right?
1: Yeah, she slacked a New York Times article. And then we had gotten an offer from, we have a startup credit card called Brex, And we had gotten an offer from that company to switch everything over to their banking partner like immediately that they would mm-hmm. be there. They would be providing bridge loans. They would be starting a new bank or maybe they already had a bank, but they'd be welcoming their credit card customers into their bank And so on Thursday evening, I kind of like was sitting in my (laughs) living room on my laptop and I just like was looking around thinking, huh, this might actually be something. And I messaged you and you were offline, which was really respectable. (laughs) And I messaged you a few times and then I was like, okay, Sandy
0: must not be worried about this. It's
1: probably okay. But I was going back and forth with our COO in Slack.
0: Because you were saying like, do you think we should panic? Do you think we should move funds out of SVB?
1: Yeah. And then I went on Twitter and then I really started panicking myself because I was reading about all of the startups that had already withdrawn money. Yeah. A lot of startups that are funded by bigger VC investment houses like, had been already told earlier in the day on Thursday to withdraw. And yeah. so I was like, reading all the stories and like, a lot of people were saying like, there's no way this is going to be a bank run. This couldn't happen at this scale. And then a lot of other people are like, well, I'm going to get my money out. So I fully intended on Friday to get some money out (laughs) of our bank. And then I had an appointment and I was leaving my appointment on Friday morning and I logged into Slack and I saw that the bank had already been shut down. You had messaged me. And so this is like a very personal experience for us. And I I just want to like pause because it is March and it is now today, the day we're recording this is March 13th. And March 13th 3 years ago to this day was the day that our walls caved in on us when the pandemic shut everything down and our company exploded literally mm-hmm. overnight mm-hmm. and nothing has ever been the same. You and I both have like a lot of mm-hmm. collective trauma about that experience of something very sudden and shocking happening that like was totally outside of our control and affected our lives and our company really dramatically. And like this was happening again, right? So that was my actual first. It was like a physical reaction yep. to the trauma yeah. that hasn't stopped.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And I also know that Brex and all the SVB employees and the FDIC, all the people working behind the scenes are experiencing very similar workloads and stress and worry as many of us did in those early days of the pandemic. Yeah. So on Thursday night, when all this was going down, I had my laptop in my hands and I put it down and I very intentionally said, I'm not going to log in tonight. I'm just going to take a break. And then Friday, I open it up and I see you're like, Sandy, do you need to be on the new bank account if we start one? And I was like, "What?" because I'm in Canada, so it's super hard to get bank accounts with both of us. And I was like, what is she talking about? And then I went into our legal channel and with our COO and saw, and so immediately picked up Twitter and you are not online. I know you're in your appointment. I have nobody to talk to. I'm reading all this stuff and I am full on anxiety, cannot breathe, sitting up in the kitchen at the window, like trying to collect myself with flashes of like, this could be it. We could lose Mm -hmm. everything. And Mm -hmm. even though most of you who have been following this story, $250,000 is insured, right? So we're under that threshold. So we knew that we have insurance for this deposit. We're probably getting it out, but I don't know. How does it, when does it happen? Like, who knows? There was so much uncertainty. I couldn't process it all. I was just complete anxiety and I just kept following. And then I see on and nobody's tier, like, that you're not there. There's no one to talk to. <laughs> and I'm trying to understand all this stuff. Like I'm reading every single article from Bloomberg's to the Wall Street Journal to Globe and Mail to everything. And then I see a tweet where this guy like takes a screenshot of the recent FDIC page, like the live like news bulletin updates. And it says SVB has been closed. And I'm like reading these words I mean, it's been closed. And then and then Twitter just blows up, right? You know, it's been shut down and, you know, it's shuttered. And and then you phone me from picking up your daughter and you're like, Sandy, are you okay? And I said, no. And you're like, what's mm-hmm. happening? I'm like, the FDIC just shut the bank down. And you were like, shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so now what? Now, what do you do? So we could still log into the bank. We could see things, but everything that was coming in and out was pending.
1: Yeah, it was frozen. Yeah.
0: Just no access, right? And we know that this week we have payroll. We have Mm -hmm. things coming out of that account. It's frozen. Our entire Mm -hmm. app, everything depends on paying bills so that things keep running. So we spent the entire day just going through each payment that's coming out and making sure it went to our credit card and not just our debit card.
1: Yeah. And trying, I was like rushing around trying to find a bank that would see me in person in Arizona here on Friday. My daughter was getting out of school early for spring break and we were supposed to like have a spring break day. And here I am like trying to run around and try to find a bank and no banks would see me. Obviously, like the banks are collapsing, right? Like everyone's freaked out. So I'm trying to find one of the big four banks to get into because I don't want another hokey. Bank or like seemingly hokey bank or local bank at this point. I just want JP Morgan, Wells Fargo. Like, I don't care. I just want something that's too big to fail. I
0: think it's important to say we knew once this was closed, and there's no, there's not going to return, right? So we know Mm -hmm. we're going to get our cash out, our deposit out, but where do we put it? We have to pay people next week. We don't have a backup bank account. Mm -hmm. And it takes, as most of you know, you can't just instantly get a a business bank account. And so the new panic was like, we need to be able to, because the notice on the FDIC website said that we would be able to have access to our funds up to 250,000. So that's great. But where do we put it? If that's true, where do we transfer it to? So we panicked like, oh my God, we need to start a bank account today. And so, yeah, I'm online trying to find anything in meeting for you to take on, on, but everything was full. It was just impossible. Anyway, yes. we got and it. And
1: because the complexity of our business, right? We're a Delaware corporation. We operate as a foreign company in the state of Washington. I'm not in that state currently living in a different state. You're in a different country because there's more than one person that owns 10% of the company. Everyone who owns more than 10% needs to be involved in the big creation of the bank account like it's not simple. Yeah. And so you have like flown to meet me before to set up bank accounts yeah. previously. And I were right? like we, get on a plane right, to right. go down. Yeah. I was ready move. to fly to Washington. I was ready to meet yeah. you in Seattle if that's what it took. And so it's just it's just one of those things that I think I know a lot of people <laughs> Many thousands of people went through the exact same thing that we did, Sandy. And like Mm -hmm. we had more than six figures in this bank account. And so I was terrified we were losing this money. There have been lots of times where we have had well over $250,000 sitting in that account. And I just felt really grateful. All weekend as we weren't sure until last night what was actually going to happen to the non-insured money. Mm -hmm. I felt really grateful that we currently did not have that money sitting in there. And because if this had happened six months ago or 12 months ago or whenever, we would have been terrified of losing many, many hundreds of thousands of dollars, which I know is what lots of founders were doing. And also this happened for us at the time of the month we have mm-hmm. certain times of the month where we have a lot of charges and we just sort of completed that part of the month. Like it's just the way things line up with our banking. And so, yes, we have payroll for Americans this week, but most of our payroll happens in other weeks. And so, like, there's lots of things that lined up for us that like also made me feel really grateful all weekend when I was reading on Twitter. I couldn't tear myself away, like reading the stories yeah. of other companies and People were sending out emails to their client list, begging for them to pre-buy things so that they could meet payroll this week and stuff. And just people, it's just been nuts. And so I just feel grateful. And also, like, come on, world. How many more things are we going to have thrown at us?
0: I know. I know. It was like this balancing of we're going to be fine. That money is insured. We will get it. We're fine. Yeah. There were stories of startups who had like thirty-eight million dollars in that account and they get yeah. two hundred and fifty thousand guaranteed. Like now we know right. that the federal government's gonna make sure that all depositors get all money. Shareholders are out of luck. And I think that's the right call in this case. So, but it's like when? When will you get it? Like, can I just on Monday morning transfer 38 million dollars out? The uncertainty of not knowing how it all plays, and we know we have a software company that shut down the software, shut down because so many people were using it in the pandemic the first couple of days. So I have like these visions of SVB platform just tanking because it can't handle all the requests that are coming in to wire money out, right?
1: Yeah. No, totally. I got up at 4 a.m. and started trying to log into our bank. I just kept refreshing every five minutes since 4 a.m. today just so people understand. We could log into our bank on Friday and then at some point, like Friday night, I think it's when yeah, like everything shut off and it had that. this big warning on the website. And they're like, don't worry. The FDIC has taken over your bank and you'll tune back in next week and you'll have access to your insured funds is basically what the
0: message said. Our banking will resume on Monday morning. Yeah. Like, really? <laughs> really? Really? Yeah. I know. It was such a weird feeling when that happened because I kept even though the bank was frozen, I could log in and just stare at everything, right? I could just like, okay, there's the money. We're screenshotting everything. Yeah. And then there was a point, like you said, that it just got shut and we couldn't even log in. And it was such an eerie feeling to not even be able to look at the number on the screen. I don't know. It was just it was brutal. But the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is First of all, I'm still like in shock at how fast this happened in 48 hours and in 40-year-old bank got taken out. And the role that Twitter played and the role that social media played and the role that panic played was so interesting to me. So apparently, as I said, the CEO issued a statement on Wednesday that they were raising money to sort of Back up their balance sheet basically. And I guess there was a Zoom call with the CEO. And I met, we weren't invited to the Zoom call. I guess we're not big enough players, but he was on there with customers, depositors. Mm-hmm. And he said the words the worst thing everyone can do is to panic, which I guess made. Everyone after that Zoom call completely freak out. And then on Thursday, there were a number of venture capitalists advising the tech founders in their fund to take their money out. And so that was like, I think, what did I say? $42 billion were transferred out of SVB in one day because of a few influential people in the VC world Mm -hmm. said, I think you should get your money out. And that just spun out of control. And everybody was talking about it on Twitter and it caused a mass panic. And I was reading this article, who knows where, because I read every single thing that passed through the feed on Twitter, SVB collapse, hashtag. They said the biggest comparison is 2008, right? But back then, people didn't really even have smartphones. We just didn't have this way to communicate. And so it it was questioning the role of social media in the downfall of SVB. Someone said this, and then just... Goes. Everybody shares it, retweets it, and it just and everyone's pulling money and there's a bank run. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's super interesting. I, I remember when I was teaching law back in my previous career, when like Twitter was really just taking off and becoming popular. One of the things that we were studying was the role that Twitter and social were playing sort of in. Arab Spring and in like a lot of the major social movements, because it's one of these things that it like grabs on to contagion and spreads it so much more yeah. quickly than yeah. anything else. And it does it politically and obviously financially. And so it's like one of these tools that I think as humans, we've got to be very vigilant about how it's being used and questioning. Is this is this something that we want to have around and want to have participating with? And what are the rules around that? Because I mean, this could have been really bad. It yeah. still could be, right? Like it's Monday, it's March 13th, it's Monday, the middle of the day. We don't actually know how this story plays out yeah. over the course of the coming days and weeks. We could be acting like, oh, everything's we could be fine more, now. More banks could go out,
0: could go right. down. Right. Yeah. Or,
1: or what else, right? Like what else does this Cause to happen, like what other kind of instability does this economic instability cause? It never would have dawned on me that we wouldn't be able to get the money out of this bank that we like to me. It's Mm -hmm. like there's no question this is safe. Yeah. So, like, what else isn't safe? safe. So, we had the pandemic that happened that caused the entire everything health wise around us to be questioned. And now this happens. This is like a house of cards that we're living in. I mean, that's how I feel is like, what are all these things that I take for granted or hold these assumptions about that aren't real?
0: No, it's true. And there is no certainty, right? That's the only thing that is certain, that there is no certainty. And I think it's just, we have to just really recognize that. Nothing is for sure, nothing. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when a bank that's 40 years old and had the deposit level. I can't remember what the act, it was like $209 billion. Mm-hmm. They, they fail. Like, it's just astounding. And like, who's going to feel okay in like a community bank, a smaller bank? Yeah.
1: Before? nobody.
0: <laughs> right. I would question it. Like now everyone's going to run to the big, the big guys because why would you, why would you take the chance when this can happen? Mm-hmm. No, I think SVB is a unique bank because it was obviously started in Silicon Valley and it was very much for startups and it was the bank to go to because they understood that that industry, right? We started with SVB because of the accelerator that we were in. It was just like, go to that bank. There was no discussion. You didn't choose- We were
1: required to use that bank. We were required.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. And like, I think most
1: accelerators actually require this bank. Uh So because it's just- it's what is known and has, has been always known. If you're going to do fundraising, like this is the bank that you wire money in from investors. It's also, I think this is worth pointing out, it's one of the only banks that would allow non-U.S. Yes. citizens to like yes. really easily get credit cards and debit cards. And so that was also really helpful for us because yeah. you and I were going into business together. That's right. I do remember And that. like one of the most interesting things right now is that... We can access our funds as of a few hours ago, but we cannot wire any money out of the United States. So like we cannot send any money to you, right? Mm -hmm. We have to get it to another bank account first. And I'm just thinking about all of these companies that are startups that have gone through an accelerator in the US and or have taken US investment and are largely based outside of the United States are like they're still locked out of their money. They can't access it. And so there's a lot, I think, of
0: fallout in yeah, the, the stories startup
1: world that's going to happen and and like what kind of diversity this is going to crush by just making it so hard to work across countries.
0: Yeah, I also, you know, when you get on into the Twitter world, there's a lot of really disgusting comments and there's a lot of talk about oh those rich billionaires, mm-hmm. you know, and they can lose their money and who cares and it was just so wrong to me like these tech startups it, yeah, sure there are a few rich billionaire founders, but not all of them and there was like all these women who would be like SVB is the only bank I had an idea for a startup. I went to 10 banks. I couldn't get an account. I couldn't get a credit card. But SVB understood my business and they gave it to me. And I could not have started my business without them because traditional banking does not understand Mm -hmm. tech startup. right? And so my heart was just broken for all these people and for SVB because we didn't have the Best experience with them, but it sounds like there's so many people who got started because SVB would would give them a bank account, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so and, yeah. it's just if that doesn't exist anymore, if you are a woman of color or, or from or from a different a country, United States, yeah, like you don't have any choice. You got to go talk to Chase. Like, are they going to like get it? No. Maybe they will now. I don't know. I don't think so.
1: I I feel like I could walk in and open an a. And a bank account at J.P. Morgan Chase because I had an existing personal relationship there. And that was the only way I could open a bank account for our company there this quickly and this effectively. And so there was a tremendous amount of luck and privilege because you and I tried to open a Chase bank account years ago. Together, you flew to the United States so that we could do that. And it was like this arduous, it was like process of hours. jumping through hoops and then we still couldn't get a credit, credit card, card because you're Canadian like it was just terrible and then i mean for those of you that are wondering to run a company at the scale that we do you really need a credit card our bills <laughs> our bills are insane and so to have that much cash just flowing all the time out of a bank account through debit purchases is unrealistic and so i just think simple things like that that it's hard to get a credit card for a company mm-hmm. like ours those mm-hmm. things are going to stifle innovation and they're going to make it so that people who are already experiencing a a great deal of privilege are going to continue to have that privilege. And and, I mean, that's just the truth of it. And and including us, right? Like we're at a place now where we, you know, people want us to bank with them. That was not the case years ago. (laughs) And so I just, I feel that's sad. That's really disappointing.
0: I don't think I, because I didn't, wasn't involved with the accelerator in the early days and I didn't start the SVB. I I didn't understand like how important it was to that tech community and how, I think it was something like 30% of all tech startups in the United States bank at SVB. And some of the Twitter threads, there was just like, let them fail, like let them lose their money. And it was just like so narrow sided to want that sect because all of them are on their freaking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was reading those comments too, where people are like, cause there was some local politician in San Francisco that a bunch of people have retweeted who was basically saying, let them fail. Like let's not bail out these people, these kinds of people. And like, somebody is like, yeah, as you write on the platform that was created as a startup on the phone that was created as a startup on the, you know, like everything you do, you can do because of startups. Yeah. And so I think like people just put blinders on and they don't actually consider the bigger picture of what they're saying, or
0: yeah, yeah, like, just, and then they're going to turn around and go take a yoga class on marvelous, and then use yeah. a filter to live stream their thoughts about whatever. And yeah, the innovation is just stifled if we can't get money. And I think I read too there is like a, a lot of environmental startups. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, like all like the carbon neutrality, right? Group. And yeah. so
0: it's like done. They're all out. This would take you back like thirty years if we lost all these startups. So. Yeah, It was just, yeah, it was really unfortunate that it it turned into this kind of chatter. But, and there's just, it's such a naive way to think.
1: Well, and this is not big tech. This is not where Facebook has its money. These are smaller companies where, as many people have pointed out, people like us work at far below market rates. (laughs) <laughs> to create things in the world that never existed before. And we have an amazing team of people who, for the most part, work at below market rates. Right? That's what being part of a startup is. Like These are not cushy tech jobs. Like I don't know who out there thinks that that's what this is, but that is not what this is. We don't shave off all of the margin we can and hoard it in our Scrooge McDuck swimming pools of gold, like we reinvested in our companies to create something meaningful in the
0: world. And so it's just like, come on guys. And all of these tech companies that are locked out, the the payroll is going to the designer and to the website person and to the HR team who have mortgages and lunches to make for their children. It's not just like there's one person at the top raking in the billions and it doesn't affect anyone. For example, your husband, company happened to use a payroll company. That routed through SVB. That yeah. routed through SVB. And, and your husband didn't get paid because all the right. money was locked in SVB. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. Ah!
0: That's an added layer to the stress of the
1: weekend, which is that there was like a moment there where I was like, I don't know if either of us are ever going to get paid again, actually. <laughs> like That's we're so both star- we're both in startups. And so like, there's a lot of families like that, right? That are just like, oh we didn't get paid. And very thankfully, I am not a person in this moment in my life that lives paycheck to paycheck, but a lot of people do. So I just also want to say, and then a lot of like Etsy, Etsy uses SBD for payroll processing. So a lot of Etsy sellers weren't getting paid. And I mean, the story goes on and on and on. So you think about like how many people in the United States, it's more than half of the population lives paycheck to paycheck. So not getting paid on Friday had a real profound impact in people's lives. And so that also has to be part of this story. Like, thankfully, I think at this point, the payroll processing and money processing companies have all caught up as far as I know. And so people like, maybe it's a two or three day delay, but people had, are going to have fees, overdraft fees, right? Like if you're living paycheck to paycheck, having overdraft fees is a big deal for you. That means you can't buy as much food. That means you can't buy gas to get to work or to take your kids to school or whatever it is. There's real effects here. And so I just, I don't know. I think it's really, that's why that like echo chamber of Twitter is so gross. It's disgusting. Yeah.
0: You're all fired up about your business until you have to go and market it, talk about it, promote it. All of that feels so heavy, hard, and overwhelming. We know that your business will flourish when you become comfortable promoting your work. And for that reason, we created Visible, a program that helps women amplify their voice in a world that tries to keep them quiet. Build an audience around your body of work and not just your body. So forget everything you've been taught about marketing. Visible is your fastest route to building an audience of raving fans that can turn into paying clients. And side bonus, you can ignore Trend alerts on Instagram. Join Visible today at joinvisible.co. The flip side of this was we saw a lot of kindness and support. We saw venture capital firms saying to its founders, like, we'll back you up so you can pay payroll. There were companies like Nathan Latka, what's it called, FounderPath, who were like raising money to get to founders as soon as possible so that they could make payroll or pay their bills because we didn't know Like a lot of them would get the two fifty potentially on on Monday, and then that wasn't like it's a drop in a bucket to pay you know for their payroll or whatever. Like it's like maybe one
1: week of payroll and offering maybe for a bigger startup. Yeah, people
0: were just like pulling money together to support. And that was kind of cool to watch that there was like, reach out to me, I've got you. There were also people saying like, if you need to have a plan on how to handle this cash flow crisis, I'm doing free sessions for you and we're going to plan, this is is what I'm going to do for you. Like just DM me. That was kind of amazing too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it had that like early pandemic energy of like, we're all in this, we've got you, we're here, don't worry about it kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to really process this. Like, I think I'm going to need some extra therapy and coaching around this whole thing because, again, it's not just an isolated event. Like for us, it is just another, (laughs) another event in a series of events that have created a lot of just like
0: mental and psychological harm. (laughs) Yeah, I mean that's why I wanted to do this podcast today. So this is the Monday that everyone got access to the bank. It was the Monday after this whole thing collapsed. It's like running on adrenaline for like four days straight and just like shaking and then checking all the sites and Twitter to see what's going on. And Cause it was happening and obviously happening in real time. You did not want to miss anything. I knew that they would want to, because I read it on Twitter. I knew that they would want to make an announcement and either having a, someone to buy the bank or have another plan The government would have to step in before markets open in Asia, which is 5 o'clock my time. So waiting, knowing that you just can't let it go, and it's just – I just feel shaky, and I know we're fine, but I still, like, it's just – it's just a terrible. I just can't come down from it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel, like, just rocked. Just, like, you kind of settle into, like, things are normalizing, and they're, like, there's no – Stability, like you said. And I like to talk about it like islands of stability. Like there was a little tiny pocket of an island of stability there, like post-pandemic island. And now I think I'll just be following the economy a lot more closely because obviously I feel like that's a responsibility I have and the role that I have to be paying attention to things. But at some (laughs) point… I don't know. I feel like just reading Mary Oliver poetry and just feeling in my human body and like recognizing the actual things in my physical space around me because all of this other stuff is these made up systems that we have, like have I've allowed them to have so much control of my life mm-hmm. and it feels really unhealthy. And the other thing, Sandy, that I saw is a lot of founders and like investors actually were posting really like look out for each other mental and take care health. of yourself because yeah. like this is the kind of thing that causes suicide.
0: Yeah, I that's that was my thought too is if they lose that money, there will be suicides because yeah. it all comes crashing down. So I thought that too, but I was impressed with the level of like the mention, how often mental illness was mentioned. And if you need help, here's resources. People were just pulling stuff together to help each other it was It was quite remarkable, but yeah, so thankfully, everyone's getting their money. The depositors are gonna be covered. There's just billions of dollars being transferred as we speak out of s v p accounts
1: yeah as I'm gonna go refresh. We're still waiting on a few transfers, like as we're recording this podcast, transfers were initiated, and we haven't seen them all yeah, come through, go I'm into sure different accounts. Yeah. But it's, it's a bit nerve wracking. Yeah. So, so this is kind of a live play by play, you know, I thought about actually recording something over the weekend, but I think you and I were both such a mess that it wouldn't have been
0: No, I, I needed to know. I needed to see mm-hmm. those transfer, like back into the bank and transfer initiated and like that we were like going to be able to make payroll. Then, then we can talk about it without bursting into tears or screaming mm-hmm. and swearing. Okay. So that is, that's it. That's like, I just think it's important to hear the stories of the behind the scenes of running a company at this level. And for some of you, it may be like a distant news story, but to us, I don't know, minute by minute, we lived it for the last four days. So insane. All right. So I think the hustle is just to take a look at your bank. And for me, the lessons learned here is I don't think as a business owner, I will ever be okay with just having one bank account anymore. I want to know that I have a place to instantly transfer if something happens to that bank. And more importantly, so in Calgary here, I have a private banker and It's just really great to be able to have a person that you can pick up the phone and call. And then as you said, you went and got Chase this morning. You created our new Chase account and you were able to get some things faster because you also had your private banking there too. So it's like a relationship means everything in banking.
1: It really does. It just like it made this process go so much more smoothly. And so I think the hustle is like, yeah, check your bank just be careful about where you bank and like pay attention to your bank. Although I, I still would have felt like SVB was a super yeah. safe bet yeah. for us. Diversification I think is important and not just, I also just think not having a ton of cash. I yeah. don't know. Like, I mean, well, that's not like, we're not financial
0: advisors. Don't listen to yeah, us. But I will say don't have $38 million in one place. Yeah, it's a really bad
1: idea. (laughs) Honestly, I don't know. For me personally, it just makes me want to really reallocate where those resources are. And, you know, we have done a lot to not have a ton of cash sitting there, like to use the money in different ways and to invest it in different ways. And so I'm grateful that we made those choices. But even still, like I just, I know a lot of people are like going to gold and things like that right now, but I just have some real estate have some stocks, like have some cash, have some crypto, like maybe just have a spread so that you're, I mean, that's like my take on it. This again is totally not advice, but it's just evaluate, like really think it through. For me, diversification seems like the way to go that feels safer. The more banks, the more kinds of asset classes you have, just, like, spread it out, and then if anything catastrophic happens to anything, like, you're, you've are got other things, yeah. that's all.
0: And the more banks you have, each of those accounts, as I understand it, would be… Yeah, each
1: bank. You yeah. can have one account within a bank that's insured. So, yeah, so there's… I think this is also going to cause a rise of an entirely new kind of sector in banking where you, we've already experienced one of these. We're using one of them now. But you put your money in and then it spreads your money out across as many banks as it needs to so that you only have 250 k in any single bank. And I think that that's just how people are going to bank now too is like you're going to go to some kind of central hub and then those people or that company is going to move your money around for you which is probably smart. Although I think in the United States, I think that the rules are probably going to change because 250K is not as much money as it was when that rule was created, right? To ensure that amount of money. So I also think that some rules are going to change around that.
0: Yeah. And I just want to, to my Canadian friends, as I understand it, like, so we have six banks up here and we pay more. And they are super stable, and it's the number of banks the U.S. has is just astounding to me. And there was a graphic on floating around on Twitter showing how many banks have failed, and you know, in like little circles to show the size. And then SVB and Washington Mutual; those two banks are like huge. And then there's like hundreds of small banks that have failed. That just can't happen in Canada because of our regulations. And if any of the banks failed up here, it would literally take out the Canadian economy. So it just won't happen. So the, the stability in Canada is totally different than the U.S., but we pay for it. It is much, much, much more expensive up here to bank. Although SVB was a lot we're
1: paying many hundreds of dollars a month for in just months. fees for them to-
0: Never understood that. statement
1: to us. Like it was oh my so confusing to me. It yeah, it was super confusing. Sense. And you're, they're making money off of by loaning our money out or investing our money yeah. and yet we're paying them so many hundreds of dollars every month. It was insane. Yeah, so that is a change from these normal banks because- In normal banks in the U.S., you actually like don't pay anything if you have a lot of money. That's my experience. The more money you have, like you don't pay anything. You have less charges. So anyway, that's just like a whole weird thing. So the hustle is just look at your bank. Pay attention to your finances, your business finances, your personal finances. Don't take anything for granted. Nothing is actually secure. (laughs) Be smart.
0: $100 is in my mattress now.
1: Yeah. I mean, kind of. Like fireproof safe. (laughs) So we've on and off been looking for houses here as another home in this new state where we're living now. And one of the houses that I toured, and I've been in this house multiple times because anyway, it was a good location. I didn't love the house. But also I couldn't buy the house because of this reason. It had a safe room. It had like a go room in the closet in the primary bedroom. There was, like, this really janky wall. Didn't match the rest of the house. It was, like, crooked and bumpy and weird. And there was a mirror on it, a big mirror. And I was like, what is this weird wall in this walk-in closet? And I, like, moved the mirror to the side, and it was, like, a secret room. It was, like, a secret handmade janky room in a house with, like, the gun safe and, like, all these cameras in it. And... (laughs) And you're like selling your house with a real estate agent and everyone who
0: comes in your house now knows about your secret room because it's not actually
1: hidden. It's like so obvious. Yeah.
0: That's like how will that work? If they come into the house to look for you, they'll like instantly see the wall is janky and it's they'll find you. Yeah, I know. Somebody is not doing a good job
1: with their wall. I think my guess and – my husband and I talked about this cuz we've like been in the house multiple t- times cuz we're like, "Oh, maybe this is a good house." And then we can't actually buy the house cuz of this room cuz I cannot stand the idea of having that in my house. But maybe the person didn't want to hire someone to come and build this properly cuz they didn't want anyone to know it was there. So they like snuck the materials into their house and made their janky escape room themselves because they like didn't want anyone to know it was there and now the secret's out cuz it's like listed on the MLS, but Anyway, this just people legitimately that are like living like this, right? They're like, okay, there's no real society. I'm going to take all my money and my guns and I'm going to stick them in my fake janky closet room. And that's where I'm hiding out. So, okay. All right. (laughs) That's such an American story, isn't it, Sandy? I know. That's like when I told you when I was buying my truck. And for those of you that don't know, I have an F-150. And when I was buying my truck for myself a few years ago, and I was like, like picking all the configurations of the truck. And you could like put the handgun safe in the center console. It's like one of the like features you pick when you're like designing no. your truck to. No.
0: And, and you're like, no. what?
1: You what? I was like, yeah, it's like the handgun safe.
0: And you're like, what? But is that weird to you? Or is that like a normal? I think
1: for a truck, it's not that weird that it uh-huh. was like, but did you part think of the F 150 build
0: as a I, mean, non- I wasn't going to buy anything. the handgun No, I know. But were you just, it, like, just like picking your rims? Yeah, it's like, oh, look at that. That's interesting. <laughs> I choose, oh my God. A gun rack, I get, because like out here in Alberta, got lots of those. My
1: father was a card carrying member of the NRA, so we don't need to get into this conversation (laughs) right now. But no, it was not shocking to me. That's the
0: answer. Wow. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Have some joy. (laughs) We can move on now. (laughs) Hit me with joy. (laughs) Move
1: on. Okay. Now that society has totally collapsed and you've heard us talk about that, let me talk about something beautiful. So I went to Taliesin West, which is Frank Lloyd Wright's. Southwest home where he used to winter with his protégés and his family. And I had been holding off and going because I just really wanted to go at a time where I had some like mental space. So of course I chose the weekend where (laughs) the banks banks were crashing crashing. and I just (laughs) actually went for the opposite reason that I needed to like totally distract myself. So we went to Taliesin West and it was so amazing and just to like be in the creative, mm-hmm. physical space of someone like Frank Lloyd Wright, who obviously is so iconic and brilliant. And it was just so cool to experience the architecture because wow. reading about someone or, you know, like studying their designs. I mean, I, the Guggenheim obviously is amazing. That's the only building of his that I had ever actually been in, which I love in New York. But anyway, so I finally went to this and and there's just all these really amazing design feature, Sandy, where he has this idea that when you go into a space, like go into a building, you go through this tiny, tiny entrance and you get into the space. It's this expansive experience because you have to go through this almost like tunnel, tiny little doors and cramped spaces where you feel like you almost have to duck. And then you like get into the room and it's like breathing. It's just like your body and physically relaxes because you've just went through this like transitional space and then you're like birthed into the rooms. It's just... Oh, it's just amazing! I so love it. Is so, is it much. just
0: like a public place that you just pay an and you can go tour? Now, museum.
1: yeah. So, so, yeah, you can go to like a bunch of his different buildings are part of. I guess this connected museum. I don't really understand it all, but yeah, it's like so. This was his winter residence for years and years and years, and he would bring like all of his students, basically all of his apprentices, with him, and they would like travel. On mass between Wisconsin and Arizona. And in the winter, they would spend all this time and they had like no glass or anything in the windows. It was just like these tents. And it, but it was like these the architecture is like this concrete and these stones that they found on the property in the desert. And the way the windows are configured, everything is just intentional. I think that's why I loved it so much. Like every view of every space and every design of every single thing is intentional. And it was really, really freaking cool.
0: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: Highly recommend. Yeah.
0: I want to see that next time I come down there. That's cool. My brother is an architect, so I know of Frank Lloyd Wright because of him. And I just, I also just love, I mean, who doesn't love the buildings? I don't know if maybe there's a few people, but it just... There's a couple homes that I, you know, I'm always looking for a new house here, and there was a couple that reminded me. I call them the Frank Lloyd Wright houses, or not really, but it's like this. The the, just something about the way that they were, the layout was just like very Mm -hmm. Frank Lloyd Wright. I just loved
1: it. Yeah, I mean, you should totally do it. It, I think it's just like quality of life if you can live in a house like that. He has this whole theory that you build it's organic architecture, right? So it's the designed space fits in organically with Mm -hmm. the natural space. And it doesn't mean like organic the way we think of that word usually, but he has this idea that you build on the brow of a piece of land. And so you don't build on the highest point or the lowest point, you build on like the brow because the architecture should be at this like natural level where it would make sense to frame the landscape, like your eyebrows frame your face. It's just like, oh my God, I wish everything was this intentional. Oh, and he had like breezeways because it's the desert, right? And so like we would build these breezeways and you stand in them and, like, because of some kind of physics effect that I can't remember the name of, it gets windy. There's no mm-hmm. wind and you stand in these breezeways and it's windy there because it's been architected
0: wow. to be
1: windy and, like, have air movement. And it's just,
0: oh, my God.
1: Humans are capable of so much and we, we like, really don't use it. You know, like, why do we not design everything like this? Because we're too busy tearing each other apart on Twitter. on Honestly, like we should all just think a little bit more intentionally about the spaces that we live in and, and the, spaces the work where that we, we work. do, like where we and want to focus and
0: what we spend our time on. Yeah. <sighs> okay. That was uh, all right. Well, a good one. Yeah.
1: So if you are anywhere near a Frank Lloyd, right piece of architecture. highly recommend that you go and experience it. Immerse in person. It's worth it. It's spectacular. And then go meet your banker. And then take care of your ish and diversify (laughs) your assets (laughs) across lots of places because nothing is safe, nothing is secure. Welcome to 2023. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Jenny. All right. See you next time. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Marvelous. Marvelous helps you build and grow your own courses, memberships, and live-streamed programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. If you're looking for a simple, beautiful, custom-branded platform to build and grow your online business, you can learn more at heymarvelous.com.